Bonjour, je m'appelle Gav Irlandais. Je m'appelle English Gav. <laughs> Brilliant. Yes, the doctor is in France this week, so we're drinking French beer and pretending we're French. Don't know why anyone would pretend they're French, but you know, there you are. I'm not. Well, you do eat cheese. That's just a weird obsession so, I've got. So we just have to look at Surrender Monkey. Uh, no, mm-hmm. i just leave that one. Yeah. So, anyway. <laughs> uh, yes, so uh, best we crack on, considering it's bloody six parts. Uh, yes, my favourite. I knew it was. Uh, so, yes, this is uh, yeah. The Reign of Terror, and it was first broadcast in August to September 1964. You can write that down. Uh, you will be quizzed later. Yes. Maybe not by me. Someone will quiz you. So, anyway, episode one, A Land of Fear. The TARDIS silently materialises in a forest. Doctor wants Ian and Barbara out. I can't blame him, really. Susan runs off to her room like a whiny little girl. Uh, the Doctor tells them it's Somerset. Uh-huh. Uh, and then he takes umbrage at their insinuation that it isn't Earth and goes with them and Susan to check. They hear shots and then find a small boy who tells them they're in France, two miles from Paris. Quel surprise. The boy scarpers and the travellers go after him to find a farmhouse, which they break into and find it deserted. They split up to search with the doctor going upstairs. That always works out well. The others find 18th century clues in a chest with documents and discover that they're at the time of the French Revolution when mass executions took place. Sacrebleu! Just as they find out the clothes fit perfectly, and two men come in with pistols. What is this, a Raymond Chandler novel? These two aristocrats are hiding from the revolutionaries, who conveniently show up outside with flaming torches and wearing eye patches. Unfortunately, not finding a Frankenstein's monster inside, they have to contend with the aristocrats. Naturally, the two aristocrats surrender, thinking they will be spared the guillotine. Nope, they're shot. The revolutionary leader finds Ian, Barbara and Susan in the house and arrests them and take them to Paris and the guillotine. Go on, Ian, hurry up. Chop, chop. As they leave the house, they set it on fire with the doctor still upstairs. Episode 2. Guess of Madame Guillotine. Meanwhile, in Paris, Barbara and Susan appear before a judge who orders them to be guillotined before they are locked up in a dingy prison by a leering prison warder who looks remarkably like and acts remarkably like Johnny Vegas. He just wants to be friends with Barbara. Really? The doctor has escaped from the burned farmhouse with the help of a small boy. Yes, small boy is more helpful than Ian. The doctor heads to Paris to rescue the others. Quite right, Ian will be useless. Speaking of, he's in a cell along with a dying man. As if that guy hadn't suffered enough. Ian thinks he can escape from the place while the man tells him that France will eventually want war with England. He's been sent to, from England to France to find James Sterling, who has information to thwart this. Ian promises that he'll find him just as, just as the man dies. Damn, if only he hadn't promised so quickly. On his way to Paris, the doctor encounters a chain gang forced to work on the road. The doctor rests and tells the leader that if he worked with them instead of shouting, he'd get the job done quicker. Naturally, he doesn't take kindly to this and forces the doctor to work too. Barbara and Susan attempt to escape until Susan breaks a nail. Johnny Vegas arrives with food and is about to discover their escape tunnel, well, escape groove more like, until he's called away. In Ian's cell, a well-dressed man, Le Maitre 
comes in inquiring as to the dead man. Because he may know something, Ian's name is taken off the list to be guillotined. Damn it. Back at the women's cell, and there's rats. So with the nail broken and rats, they just give up awaiting their death. The doctor at the roadside tricks the gang leader into thinking he's found coins in the ground. Leader, excited by this, digs, and the doctor thunks him one on the head with a spade. Watched by Ian, Johnny Vegas takes Susan and Barbara to a wagon for the guillotine. Episode 3, A Change of Identity. Johnny Vegas, while doing food rounds, leaves the keys in Ian's door. Ian spots this with x-ray vision and takes a key off the chain. Nothing's happening. I swear this part has been on for five minutes so far and nothing's happening. Hooray! Something's happening. Two men, Jules and Jean, kill Susan and Barbara's guards. Yeah, just their guards, unfortunately. And take them to their safe house. The doctor, having arrived in Paris, uh, goes to a tailor. He quizzes him where the prisoners would be taken, and despite being but a simple tailor, he tells him. The doctor then buys clothes that a regional officer would wear. Having no money, he barters his clothes and ring. But he'll own them again, that's the beauty of it. At the safe house, Barbara and Susan settle in and are introduced to Jules' sister Danielle before being told they are to be smuggled away the next day. Ian eventually escapes the prison. Barbara and Susan show Jules and Jean a map and have to find the doctor. The house they originally found was part of Jules and Jean's safe house, but apart from, well, well, apart from the safe part. Leon, a colleague, arrives and hits it off with Barbara. What's with these cheese-eating surrender monkeys and their love of Barbara? The doctor, in his full regional officer costume, arrives at the prison demanding to know who is in charge, and chats to Monsieur Vegas. He finds out Susan and Barbara and Ian have escaped. Just as the doctor means to leave, Le Matcher arrives and asks that he accompany him to the first deputy Robespierre. The tailor arrives at the prison later and shows the guard the doctor's ring, as evidence that he is a traitor. Episode 4, The Tyrant of France At the palace, the doctor and Le Maitre meet Robespierre. The doctor is invited to make a first-hand account. Despite the doctor's attempts, all Robespierre can talk about is executions and more of them thanks to his paranoia. And the doctor is asked to return tomorrow. Susan, who's become quite unwell again. Uh, Leon tries to find a doctor for her. No, no, not that doctor. Meanwhile, Jules and Jean, checking out one of their safe houses, find Ian, so they naturally hit him unconscious. The doctor tries to leave when Le Maitre and him uh, reach the prison, but he finds it difficult to. Le Maitre, alone, then talks to the simple tailor of traitors and rings. Jules and Jean take Ian back to Barbara to find that they know each other. Small world, eh? Ian was told to wait at the house, apparently, for Jules, who could find James Sterling. Jules doesn't know anything about this but perhaps Leon does. The next day, the doctor complains about his room. That's all that's happening in that story. Susan is taken by Barbara to the physician, who tells her that he is a f- she has a feverish chill, but then he probably tells everyone this. Uh, the physician makes an excuse to leave, probably leeches or something. What is this? The 18th se- Oh, never mind. The physician then returns, not with leeches, but with guards, and they're arrested. Again? Ian sets off to meet with Leon at the abandoned church. Meanwhile, Lemaitre, knowing that the doctor is a traitor, gets him to interrogate Barbara. Leon introduces his soldiers, saying Ian has walked into a trap. Betrayals all round. Episode 5. A Bargain of Necessity. Feel free to jump in. Leon has captured Ian to get information. I will when I wake up. <laughs> information! Information! 
specifically on the safe routes that John and Jules have, which is a pretty pointless thing to ask him, really, since he doesn't know anything about it. Ask him about space and time travel, for God's sake. Barbara is happy to be reunited with the Doctor. Unfortunately, Lemaitre is listening in, and he is called away by Robespierre. The Doctor tricks Johnny Vegas into thinking he came up with a plan to release Barbara and capture her accomplices. Thusly, she walks out free. Jules arrives, where Ian is being held captain, uh, kills his captors, and frees him, as he can't do it himself. Probably just as well, since Ian had just told him he'd flown into France from a small box. Back at the prison cell, uh, Susan Susan probably pays taxes off on Prina for now that she's spent that amount of time in. The doctor promises he will free her. Meanwhile, Robespierre tells Lemaitre that he suspects his deputy, Ballas, and wants him to follow him the next day. When Ian and Jules return to the hideout, they see Barbara, who doesn't take kindly to her boyfriend, Leon, being killed. Hey, he was only trying to kill everyone. He's just misunderstood, eh, Barbara? The doctor tries to trick the jailer again, but he's too stupid for that. So the doctor pretends she has escaped. Then when he goes to check, the doctor, for the second time in the story, hits someone over the head. The murderer, unfortunately, stops him and confronts him about not being a regional officer. Threatening Susan, the doctor is forced to lead Lemaitre to the hideout of Jules. Back at the safe house, Barbara and Ian are shocked as the doctor arrives with Lemaitre. Dun dun dun! Episode 6. Prisoners of Conciergerie. See, I said it right. Yes, but what is that? I don't know. The government, perhaps? I don't know. I don't really care about French politics. Sure, they surrender or something. Le Maitre reveals himself as arranging Ian's escape from prison and as the infamous James Sterling. Ian gives Le Maitre and Ster- or Sterling, delete as applicable, the message that he is to return to England immediately and the words Barras meeting and sinking ship. Jules says there's an inn called the sinking ship. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of inns. The doctor and Sterling remain at the house. Ian and Barbara set off with Jules towards the inn. At the inn, Barbara dresses as a serving wench, Jules as a customer, and Ian as the innkeeper. After they put the original in the cellar. Best place in an inn, really. Barris arrives and asks for wine while he's awaiting his contact. Isn't this exciting? Shortly, that's a pun you won't get yet. Another man arrives. It's Napoleon Bonaparte. Get it now? And Ian listens in. Barris will attempt to overthrow Robespierre, and Napoleon will take over. The next day, Jules and Ian rush to stop the overthrow of Robespierre, which Barbara, thanks to her Aztec's tobacco, know cannot happen. When they arrive, they find that Robespierre has been shot in the jaw and awaits the guillotine. Kids love Doctor Who! Nearly the end, must be time for the Doctor to outwit Johnny Vegas again. Susan escapes! Finally! When Robespierre arrives, Jules wonders who will lead France next. Ian tells him to remember the name Napoleon. Yes, Ian, if by next ruler you mean in 11 years' time. The travellers eventually get back to the TARDIS and wonder where they will travel to next. Well, that's the podcast over, <laughs> See you next time. It was the best podcast ever, wasn't it? It was six parts. What do you want from me? Uh, to make it four parts. Well, I'd have to go that? back in time. Can't go back in time. You can't travel faster than the speed of light. Well. Well, you maybe can or can't by the time this podcast comes out. <laughs> Who knows? Yes. So, uh, yeah, this story had the first location filming. Did you know that? Uh, I did when I read it. Yeah. So did I. Mm-hmm. Not in France, obviously. Probably in no. Somerset. I think it might have been Wales, actually. 
Wales. Mm. They, they travelled all the way to Wales. I, t- I believe I read Wales somewhere. <laughs> At some point this yeah. week. At some point, <laughs> I read Wales. I've put eight and seven together. And I've gone mm. back in time. Brilliant. But it, did you know on the location shots, they used doubles for the Doctor? Well. Probably because he was too annoyed to go anywhere. Yes. I'm not going to Wales. Why would he go to Wales? <laughs> I know. I've got an image of uh, the the first Doctor as Can Yoda now punching people with a stick. Yes, this yeah. was another ep- uh, story that had two missing episodes, um, which was obviously fun. Yes, it didn't help that it came towards the end of the episode as well. Hmm. Well, the end of the. Story, towards the, but thankfully the last episode was intact. It's always yes. it's always better when that happens, and not when you're watching like a four-part story and three of the episodes are fine, except for the fourth one, and you've no idea what happens at the end. I'm talking to you, the tenth planet. Did you know it's going to be released on DVD in 2012, and they're actually going to animate the missing episodes? This I did not. No. So we didn't really time this well at all, did we? No. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that maybe we can revisit it again in twenty twelve. Maybe we can't. Yes. Well, we will be doing one like that because the invasion Patrick mm. Troughton uh, story was uh, was like that as well, where they animated it as well. Mm. Pity they couldn't do that more often. Yes, they should write a letter. Again. I will write several letters. Give, dear, give him his release BBC. schedule and ask if we can release the DVDs in time for his podcast. I will. Well, I think next year they'll be pretty much done with all the DVDs. I swear, if they start releasing them on Blu-ray, I'll punch someone. The reason I did like this story, though, was because uh, William Russell, who plays Ian, was actually on holiday for two of the episodes. So he was hardly really in it for those episodes. Yeah. He did pre-recorded scenes. Yes, which sort of made up for his uh, disappearance. But. Which, uh, which, uh, as we said before, Susan did for the Aztecs. I mean, I did, I did like his appearance in this one, though. Did it's, you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really did like the Doctor's appearance yeah. in this one. It's a shame he wasn't anymore. But. Because he was hardly in the last episode, the Doctor. Mm. He, uh, yeah, because his whole... Because he was outwitting everyone in this story. Johnny Vegas, the chain gang leader, it was brilliant. Yes, I he was yeah, being very doctory. He was being very sneaky and doctory. Yes, sir. which is uh And you could see he was hit well William Hartnell and probably yeah, he's, was he's a finally doctor learning as well. from him, yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you said yes. No, First you said yes to shut you up. <laughs> doctor it was really relishing his role as the regional officer. Or maybe William Hartnell was. Well, it's first chance he got to play cosplay. <laughs> Although you don't play cosplay, but you know. There you are, ladies and gentlemen. It got to the Reign of Terror and we finally mentioned cosplay. Yeah. And it was Gav that said it. Yeah, he got to dress up in regional clothing for first time, is it, that he uh, Yeah, but he, but he does make a habit of dressing up in regional clothing, I think, for a few more. Mm. Certainly, I remember the second Doctor doing that, um, getting in disguises and things. In fact, I remember he was dressed as a small woman. Which is all to come, but this is where it started. This is where it all began. I, I did think Susan was particularly useless in this one. Yes, which which actually does take some topping. Because uh, she's pretty useless in most stories. 
because she's captured about 10 times mm-hmm. and then let go about 12 somehow. Let go eight times, captured 10. Um, was it, and on her way to being executed with Barbara, you know, they have the chance to escape, but uh, Susan says, no, I've got an headache. It was just the same <laughs> as whenever they were trying to escape death. Yeah. <laughs> they couldn't because of the rats and her broken nail. Okay, she didn't Not literally have a broken <laughs> nail, but it was pretty much that. Seriously, I've got the hangover from hell, just kill me. <laughs> that way, that French beer. <laughs> what was in what? that food? What food? That they were serving in the prison. French stuff. Ah, I get it. French rats. Cheese. French rats, maybe? I don't mm. know. That's why she was ill. Yeah, I think yeah. I mentioned in, in the story that several people seemed to be yes. really allured by Barbara. Yeah, what? What is like that? Like Leon, the. Uh, the guy, yes. the, Johnny Vegas. Mm. Wasn't there someone else? Uh, I don't think so in this one, but recently there was a creepy beardy stroke block. Yes. And others. Why, are, why is everybody attracted to Barbara? Well, look at the four of them. <laughs> She's probably... <laughs> not, not the young child? Or do they just immediately say, God, she's annoying and useless? She's got an headache as well. I think of the four of them, I'd rather go off with the doctor. Ian all the way. You've actually written that down on this notepad 17 times. You don't want to read the uh, other stories I've written as well. I know I don't, but you keep forcing me to. I know, because you don't want to. And I want you to be. <laughs> There's no other way around. Anywho. Yeah, Susan mentions this is the doctor's favourite period in Earth history. Mm. Which, which, uh, which, fortunately, um, explains Russell, why he enjoyed the dress-up. <laughs> well, that is a good point, Gav. Well done. Uh, and Russell T. Davis and Stephen Moffat remembered that whenever they were doing the Tenth Doctor, because mm-hmm. I think the first time he goes back to France after this on the TV series is Girl in the Fireplace. Yes, it, it took him all of what ten generations <laughs> together again. Well, he's been in between episodes. Loves the place, and he likes using Alonzi. For his uh, repertoire. His favourite place, but he can't stand the French. That's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> and who can blame him? <laughs> Talking about French. Yes. This French beer we're having, I don't think we mentioned it at the top of the show. Cronenberg 1664. Mm. What's that in French, Cap? Um, 237, I think. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, but yes, of all the French beers we had to pick from, this one and... Um, there was another one, um, which I have as well, but uh, yeah, they pretty much taste oh, the same. Oh right? yes, we managed to find one other French beer. But drinking this, I can also see why they make wine. Yes, that's my thoughts on it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it tastes like every other big brewery lager ever. We were going to give you information on, on the brewery and stuff like that, but, you know, who cares? Mm, it's in France. It's in France. Well, it's made by French people. <laughs> well, I presume it is. So if we ever get any French <laughs> listeners, they'll be in for a fun one. Drink it. It's, <laughs> it's French. Yes. In fact, don't drink it. It's rubbish. Best thing the French ever did was French toast. That is, yes. I was almost considering fries, but they're crap. They're, they're freedom fries now, Gav. 
Not where I come from. Where do you come from? I come from France. <laughs> it was predictable, but still funny. I was going to say garlic bread, but I don't know if that's a French thing. Could not possibly be Italian. Yes, on this Doctor Who beer podcast, we're talking about food. <laughs> it is more interesting than... Uh... So yeah, basically we chose this beer because it's French. Yes, well done for theming. We like, we like theming. People don't like theme shows, Gav. We shouldn't be theming. Shall we continue on the Doctor Who yes, stuff? Yes, why not? So, basically, why didn't they get in the TARDIS and go away? Apart from the fact the Doctor didn't want to. And then they were captured 11 times. Yeah, pretty much. They Basically, Ian convinced them, the Doctor, to go out with him to make sure that they were on the planet and then they got captured and the Doctor knocked on Ed and now set on fire and they got split up so they couldn't. Interesting. This also was a replacement for a story uh, about 16th century Spain. Which is a shame that they didn't make as well, to be honest with you, because I would have liked to have seen that. Instead of this, yes. <laughs> no, this wasn't too bad, but I mean... <laughs> uh, yes, I'd re- actually written on my notes, pity we didn't get that. And then I realized, oh yes, as well. <laughs> well there's lots of stories we haven't got. But, but we, we have never been in Spain. Yes. Actually, that's a lie. The Doctor's been in Spain. Was it? Two Doctors, Sixth Doctor. Um, there you go. Towards the end as well, uh, I think uh, Barbara actually laughs at uh, attempts to change history because she's obviously learnt it from uh, the previous adventure mm-hmm. where she failed. And it's, uh, it's like, well, I couldn't change it. You can't. Uh, yeah, no, she's learnt it. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, she goes on to say that yeah, time's essentially fixed. There's nothing that they can do to change it. This, the whole you can't change time comes into it again. Whatever they do, time's going to happen. Time's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the way Doctor Who's at the moment. In well, the future. Well, in the future or now? Well, well I'm saying, <laughs> but I'm saying, there's a story in the future, Pyramids of Mars, where Sarah Jane yeah. says... Uh, well, we know the future's going to be because well, they're in the past. And we know the future's yeah. going to be fine, so we don't need to stop them. Yeah, and the doctor takes yeah. them into the future and says, well, look, the world's yeah. all dead now because we haven't changed it. But this is where they're starting to build it. Now, this is where they've started with, but it's going to change every other episode. Why? That's why Stephen Moffat's quite right with timey-wimey. But we're talking <laughs> about now... Not in the I future. Like giving, I like giving an overview of things. People want to hear different things or an overview. Well, yeah. Maybe. We might be dead yeah. by the time we get to Pyramids and Mars. That's highly likely as well. Unless someone else changes time, of course. We, we could always hire some other people to do it for us. <laughs> Who would want to do this? How about Welsh and Scottish guys? Well, they're, 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 only, they're only there uh, in the glass in case of emergency. Plus, I can't find I can't find the hammer to let them escape. <laughs> I think they may have may have actually suffocated several years ago. But just throw beer bottles at them. Hope it smashes. I do, but it doesn't work. Mm. But yes, uh, apparently also uh, this story. Uh, William Russell apparently suggested the idea of setting one during the French Revolution. But this isn't during the French Revolution. This is after the French Revolution. Right, so they expanded on his idea. <laughs> But it was originally Ian's idea. This was after the French Revolution when they just went around killing everyone. Or trying to. Or trying to. I'm going to send you to the guillotine. Me? Yeah. 
Now, why would you send me to the guillotine? Because you wouldn't fetch me beer earlier. And you remember that episode three, the one that was really slow and nothing happened. Was that the one where I said nothing happened? That was the one. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. Do tell me about that episode, guys. Yes. I want to so hear about more about the one that didn't have anything happening in it. There may be a reason for that. It was shit. That is the reason. Yay. I'm getting good at this. And also the director apparently was suffering from exhaustion, so he couldn't direct that episode, so John Gorry stepped in for him, who previously directed Keys of Mariners. Did uh, Susan, whenever she was feeling ill, did, did Caroline Ford study the director and think, right, that's how I'm going to play Susan being ill? <laughs> that would make a lot of sense. Is that why Susan was ill? Because she just thought, I'm just going to copy the director because he's obviously rubbish. Mm-hmm. But when I make say sense, I mean not sense. It makes perfect sense to But me. it makes sense as a spectator. But yeah, the director of Keys of Maris, he, he directed like really short single yes, stories. I seem to recall that's why we liked it a bit more. Yeah, um, and maybe this jump to telling a whole story in over six episodes, he couldn't cope with it, he had to explain it, and that's why it seemed a bit dragged out. Well, again, it's not like it was one big story. He could have looked at it as several little stories. Mm. For instance... Susan and Barbara being captured and then released could be one story. And then them being captured and released again could be another story. And then them being captured and released again. You see, it could be just little stories about them being captured and released a hundred million times. Or it could treat uh, Ian replacing the key as one story. Oh, it did. It took about five minutes to tell it. <laughs> yes. Ian see, see, replacing a key. Yes, when Ian <laughs> saw... Well, somehow saw that there were keys in the door that hadn't been taken out through the wooden door. With his X-ray vision. With his X-ray vision. That he obviously got from stealing the X-Man instead of from just, the last episode. Instead of just unlocking the door and escaping, he, he takes one of the <laughs> keys and keeps it. A whole convoluted level of subterfuge. Just fucking escape. <laughs> what are you waiting around for? These people ask to be captured a lot, I think. Maybe that's, maybe they've got a sign on the back that says that, and we can't see it. Please capture us. It could be, or oh, in fluorescence or something. Yeah, the doctor pins it on the back of that, please capture us. It's his practical job. That would be their best retcon ever. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, in the animation that they're doing, they should animate, please capture us on the back of <laughs> So the Doctor doesn't actually... Yeah, that would make sense because he doesn't want to go on space-time and travel with him. So every companion he's got, he just he's just trying to get them captured. You know what? It's a bit like on Facebook when mm-hmm. someone friends you and you feel obliged to, to talk to them or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's what the Doctor's like with his companions at the beginning. They, they sort of yeah. come aboard and he feels obliged to show them places. Mm-hmm. But all the while he's trying to get them captured. Yeah, and also they did sort of sneak the way on. If you they like. did. Well, they forced the way on. They, they were bastards. Mm. They just sort of invited themselves to the Doctor Who party. And what a party it was! What a party it was! All forty-eight years ago. Oh, so I was going to say, just this mm-hmm. was the end of series one. Yes, it is. That's all I was going to say. Mm-hmm. 
Do you say again? This is the end of series Excellent. one. We've done series one of Doctor Who. We yes. have completed this. Yes. How did many you more to ever go? think that was going to happen? <laughs> no. No, neither did I. <laughs> How many more have we to do, did you say? Yes. What number is this? Uh, one. I mean, what number story is this? I'll tell you how many stories we have to ah, do. We, we, is this one number seven? Then or is it eight? So that means we've about 143 more stories to do. Seven, seven. This one, I think this one's eight, isn't it? We've just posted number six, Aztecs, Sensorites, number seven. This is eight, then? This is number eight. Yes, we've just posted Sensorites. This, we've 142 stories to go, then, Gavin. <laughs> But a lot of them are good. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can't make fun of them. Of course we can. Excellent. As long as we can do that. What are you going to do when there's no when Ian's not in it anymore? Because that's coming up I'm very going soon. I'm to cry. Because what are you? Are you going to have a quote of the episode now then, or or Gavin Gav, English Gav cries for for Ian for a minute. I'm going to have a what Ian would have done here moment of the episode. <laughs> Speaking of that. The first time of trouble in this story. Who jumps to action? Ian. Straight in there. Oh, was it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. There's rustling in the bushes. So he captures a small boy. Well done, Ian. Well done. He only turned out to be a small boy. But Ian jumped straight in there. No messing. Future doctors would do it, but... No, no. What I'm saying is, Ian, with his X-ray vision, knew it was a small boy, so that's why he jumped in there. Didn't have X-ray vision. Oh, he doesn't have X-ray vision now. He's got temporary extrasensory perception. That's what he's got. ESP. Mm-hmm. How is that? That doesn't happen in science, Gav. Mm-hmm. This is science fiction. There's time travel, you know. Yeah. Can't time travel. Well, you maybe we do. Anyway. It's like saying neutrinos could travel faster than light or something, I don't know. By the time this goes out, this will be three years before that happens. It might even be confirmed by that. But the Ian moment of the episode... Do tell, I cannot wait. This is uh, right at the start, where uh, the Doctor's pissed off with them. He's uh, ready to chuck them out, but Ian Sweet talks him round, and they all become friends again, sort of. Oh, I think I remember. Does it go a bit like this? you're in control. You're always in control. And I'm sure you could revisit us at any time. Very simple. Quite simple. Exactly. Quite simple. But you have your important researches to complete. You may not find the time. There's a chance that we won't meet again. Don't you think it would be better if we parted under more friendly circumstances? Say, over a drink? Yes. Yes, well, perhaps since you put it that way, an hour or two won't come amiss. That is a bit how it went. Uh, In fact, it's almost exactly how it went. I'm very good at impressions. I yeah, do one. Who you want me to do? You. I can't do me. <sighs> Anywho, my uh, my my quote of the episode doesn't feature Ian. What's that about? We did last time, or the time before that. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's when you got it right. It's not when I got it right. No, I only got it right because Ian was a dick. And that. But anyway, 
it, it features the Doctor tricking Johnny Vegas into thinking that he came up with the plan. That was the first time, by the way, not the third. Um, so I'll do an impression of that now. I've just been interrogating that young woman, and I'm convinced she's a member of that dangerous traitor's party. Oh, I see, I see. And do you know she could tell us the names of every traitor in this country? But she would make her talk. No, no, no chance of that, no. She'd rather die first than betray her friends. No, I think if there is some way of using her, if only we could get through her to her friends. Perhaps. Hmm? Hmm? Perhaps. Perhaps what? Well, if she were to escape, she could be followed. She'd meet these traitors, and we'd arrest them. Merch once did this. My dear, what an excellent idea. What an excellent idea. Yes, of course. Now, why didn't I think of that? What do you think of that? That was a very good impression. I could have sworn that was almost a clip from the show. Clip from the show. How would you know what a clip from the show sounds like? You edit, ever edited in your life? No. No. So what do you no. think of the story overall, Inga? Overall, this is one that I always forget about because it bores me. I mean, the first three episodes, it starts off, all right, there's plenty happening. Despite the third one, nothing really happening for a lot of time. Well, yeah, despite that one. But uh, sort of like this, the last half of... It sort of becomes like political intrigue and... And then you can't be... Sort of, but like nothing's happening, there's no... It's, it's just boring and it really doesn't help that there's two episodes that are reconstructions. True. It wasn't too bad. I don't think I hated it, but it wasn't too bad. There are better stories. It all does come together quite well, though. But mm-hmm. again, there's just too much capture, release, capture, release, capture, escape, capture, release, capture, escape. Yeah, uh, yeah, there is. But again, we should realise that this wasn't designed to be watched all in one. It's like one a week kind of thing. And uh, Susan did provide a bit of comedy. Yeah, and she's rubbish. Uh, but, but it's not the best one, though. No. So what do you think the best one of the series so far is? Of the first series. Overall, I would say Aztecs. Followed by Edge of Destruction. I, I would probably go that route, yes. Yeah. Uh, I presume you're exactly the same, yeah. yeah. I am exactly yeah. the same. So that's the first series mm. down. Um, 25 mm. classic series to go. Mm. Followed by six of the new series. But uh, one final thing. Uh, I'll say the, the final cliffhanger of the show. Oh, do tell. Yeah, it's it is the first one that doesn't actually have a cliffhanger at the end of the episode. This is at true, the end yes. of the story, which uh, in future so that it allows for other media to insert their own stories. Oh, you mean like if they write books that sit mm. after this time? Well, this is yeah, true be- because, because there are this the one and the next one doesn't directly continue on from each other. It's uh, yeah, that'll be why there is a couple of. St- there's a good few mm. stories that are set, you know, straight after the Reign of Terror. Yeah, it is. Yeah, the first time where there's not a direct continuation, there's yeah. a physical gap. Uh, and I'll be reviewing those stories on the blog on Drunken Time Travel uh, in the next couple of weeks. Well, a couple of mm. them anyway. Yes, and uh, related to the fact that other media can insert their own stories into the continuity here, we have a question from... What was it? Stephen. Stephen. In Ireland. You may remember him. Yes. 
Him who sends the questions. Yes, well done, Gav. <laughs> you can get there. And he asks, are there any Big Finish audio story ideas that you think would be worth adapting to the TV show? Any thoughts officially or unofficially? Well, probably go, well, Big Finish is, is, an, is a company that do audio, no, they don't do audio, but they do audio stories, like mm. uh, radio plays, I suppose, that people can buy on CD or download or whatever. Uh, but they've yeah. been doing Doctor Who yeah. for a number of years now, featuring yeah. the fifth, sixth, seventh, yeah. and eighth yeah. Doctors. Yeah, full cast audios. Hmm. All and, the and all the original actors. Yeah, and they're going to be featuring the fourth Doctor, Tom Baker, next year. Hmm. But uh, yeah, they're, they're they do quite a few good audio, you know, audios that that are very good. You can just listen to. Yeah, when you're not busy. Oh, when you're busy as well, if you're, if you're going to work, things like that. Yes, yeah. It's all right, I like to listen to. Exactly. It's not if you're listening, boss. But <laughs> like your boss would listen. Wouldn't would Like anybody listen. <laughs> he, uh, but one of the things they did was there were kind of ideas. Well, Doctor Who was cancelled <coughs> in 1989 after series 26. Mm. And they'd done ideas for the next series, but obviously it was cancelled then, so they sort of fell by the wayside. One of the things they did was was they adapted those stories into audio mm. things with the yeah, same the, doctor. Yeah, the ones that they had planned, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think mm. those stories might be good to adapt, you know, for the present Doctor. Obviously, because with a lot of these, you would have to change the do- Well, with all of these, you would have to change the Doctor and the companions and everything. Maybe some of the themes. Well, but yeah, the well, the companion ideas that they came out with for season twenty-seven were good. So you could just adapt that straight in and insert. Well, you Smith could get yeah, the, 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 the new companion, yeah. yeah but uh, that features seventh Doctor and Ace, and obviously you couldn't have them. Yeah, well, I, 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 Sylvester McCoy is sixty-seven. No, I just didn't realise it was that old. But no, no it's not that old. Oh. Carry on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You give me one, I'll give you one. Well, yeah, I'll uh, going back to uh, another one that was also the seventh Doctor and Ice. Uh, they did a story called Colditz, which was also a good one. Uh, I suppose you can adapt that for the new Doctor. Uh, Take it, it was just as it sounds. It was uh, set in the Second World War in the Prisoner of War yeah. camp thing. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, in, introduced a uh, a good new character that they actually used a a few times further in the audio series. I mean, the, you could do the same on that. Yeah. But uh, that's another good one. So the one similar to the next Doctor. Yeah. What's it called then? Yeah, it's called the One Doctor. It's called the One Doctor. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I believe yeah. that yeah. one is about a. It's not really, it's similar to the next Doctor in the fact that it's someone that isn't the Doctor pretending to be the Doctor, but this one he deliberately pretends to be the Doctor to con people out of money. Mm. So this guy uh, goes to different planets and pretends to save them from alien invasion, then getting money and things. I just think that, that, that mm. is quite a good idea that they could use. Mm. It was uh, written quite comedically as well, wasn't it? Is it, it was. It was a, written it's well. Quite a funny one. Gareth Roberts, who writes <coughs> some, some of the uh, stories for the for the new series as well. 
He wrote the yeah. Lodger one last year. No, we, yeah, that, that was uh, quite funny in places as well. Funny, yeah. And uh, so we're lacking from the TV series are good Dalek episodes, which for me, the uh, audio series, I've had uh, plenty of. I don't know why they doesn't they can't do it on the TV series, but for me, one of the standout Dalek episodes is Enemy of the Daleks. Yes, I remember was, that one uh, being quite good. Yeah, there was a, there was a few as well, and Renaissance of the Daleks uh, as well. I really didn't like but, that one uh, at all. But some people didn't like that one. I really did. It was written by one of the writers who did. It was script editor of the fourth and fifth Doctor. I don't know. I did listen to these sort of. Before I watched all the classic series, so I wasn't. Well, as long as, well, if you enjoyed them, with but that, I, I you know, did really enjoy it. Didn't I? Ones that I enjoyed mm-hmm. were there was one called Master, which was about, funnily enough, the Master, but it was just very simple and stripped. It was about the Doctor meeting the ma- meeting the Master at a like a, a house by itself. And there were several guests, and the master was trying to be reformed, and it was just very creepy, and it was just an excellent story. I can't actually remember that one myself, but that comes as no surprise to many people. Mm. Another one you will remember, Gav, is Doctor Who and the Pirates. Yes, because they sang a fantastic song. Because they sang in it. Yeah. <laughs> it was basically Doctor Who the musical. But I loved it, and because it was a musical, they were able to tell. They were able to tell more horrific stories, <clears throat> because there was one of the characters that died quite horribly in it. But because it was a musical, they were. It was easier to tell. Um, and uh, another one that we both agree on, Live Thirty Four, which is uh, sort of it was. It was told as that it was like radio broadcast. Yeah, that's why I liked about it. You could yeah. easily do that in the TV series. You could yeah. do like a TV uh, news mm. thing where it's specifically from that point of view, but you would feature the Doctor as well. Really, that that could easily translate to the screen. Yeah, you could easily do that. Yeah, there was another uh, one. I think we both agreed on Company of Friends, which featured yes, the ex Doctor. In four different stories of an episode each, uh, with his different companions that he'd had in the books and things like that. Mm. But you could do that for the. I think you could do that mm. for the Eleventh Doctor very easily because he's often been off around different places. Yeah. You could have like different stories where he's even four within a forty-five minute episode. It's very yeah. quick, yeah. ten-minute stories. Yeah, I don't know. There was another one called The Harvest. Mm-hmm. Was, uh, which I think in the series introduced a new companion for the Doctor, which was quite good, called Hex. Uh, featured the ro- Robo-Man. What? Cyberman? <laughs> <laughs> yes, which, yeah, he featured the Cyberman. Uh, sort of like holed up in a hospital sort of time. Yes. And, uh, well, not quite a new companion, but a semi-recurring character, a detective, sort of investigating the situation as well. That was uh, a spin-off into a sort of good sort of series of episodes, which you could do as well in the new series, easily enough. It doesn't have to be the Seventh Doctor and Ace. They're all the Seventh Doctor and Ace, aren't they? <laughs> They're all the <laughs> Company of Friends, wasn't no. it? Um, it's just the ones that were chose to mention the Doctor. Um, 
Creatures of Beauty, I'm just mentioning because it was told in a very non-linear te- term. It was, but it still worked. It was, it was like, uh, it wasn't, yeah. the, you had the story beginning, middle, end, but it didn't tell it that way. But still it was, had, yeah, cliff, had great cliffhangers yeah. and a very good ending. Yeah, which is, it's a very hard technique to pull off. It is. As well, but they pull it off beautifully in the end. And of course, there's other episodes that they've done in Big Finish, but they work just perfectly with the audio format, and they wouldn't really yeah. translate well because some some of them really play with the sort of like sound aspect of it, and like whispering and sort of like words and enemies to do with sound, and it's really good. Yeah, like like the one uh, it was a character called the Word Lord, mm. whose name was Nobody Knew One. Would that work more in audio, do you think? I think it does. It might be possible to translate it to screen. So he had a... I mean, you can also, you can also wait. I suppose you could, but... But he had a great... I mean, he had power with words. And if someone mm-hmm. said, nobody can break in here, his name was nobody, so then he could. Mm-hmm. I just love that. Yeah, it, it could twist words what everybody said, can he? Yeah. And he's been... Yeah. He's featured in a couple of... Uh, Audios um, by Stephen Hall, who I bought a book by as well, but I haven't read it yet. Updates as they happen. Mm-hmm. So, do we have uh, any more questions then? Yes, we have uh, one more question mm-hmm. from Algar, our good friend at uh, Post Atomic Horror, postatomichorror.com, and Sarcastic Voyage, mm-hmm. sarcasticvoyage.com. Both excellent podcasts. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, he has this question. Um, he says, I wish this was my theory, but it isn't. It has been suggested that James Bond is a time lord, with Sean Connery being his first incarnation and Daniel Craig being his most recent. Discuss. Wait, that's not a question. Would you please discuss? Interesting. I can't see him being a time lord, mainly because, well, unless the British government knows he's a time lord. But a lot of people treat the different... Bonds as being the same person. Yes. But the different Bonds are the different actors playing them. The, just like the Doctor, they all portray them slightly different. They've all got their own characters. Hmm. I but, find it quite interesting that, yeah. that the two things like that, that have different characters, mm. different characters of the same person. Mm. James Bond and Doctor Who are both British. I can't really think of anything else. Could be completely wrong, and please tell me if I am, but... Uh, the other characters in uh, Bond, and we're going to call him Dr. Bond then. <laughs> so you found me, Dr. Bond. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, get in the torch. See, I can do impressions. But yet nobody in that universe... Pays any attention to the fact that he's changed appearance or character? Yeah, they they all treat him as the same character. But maybe because they're in secret intelligence, nobody wants to bring it up, or it's a big secret. Yeah, that could be. It doesn't explain how. Of course, it's not while, true. While they're in there. But, but I do. I, I do find interesting <coughs> that my favorite James Bond and my favorite uh, Doctor Who is the seventh. No, no, that would have been quite good. Well, Timothy Dalton is my favorite James Bond. And he mm-hmm. first had a movie in 1987, and his last movie was in 1989. And the Seventh Doctor's series were from 1987 to 1989. And it's not as if it was that time, because I saw I saw 
them as the best years after that. Well, both and my favourite doctors and uh, Bonds is uh, Paul McGann. The George Lazenby of uh, of Doctor Who. All your Master Secrets Observers, one movie, and then you've got Doctor Who, one movie. They're both failures. You say failures. I drink beer. Yep, that's a good idea. But yes, no, not a Time Lord, so that. But it did give me an opportunity to bring up my uh, little vignette there. Mm. Hey, we're still in the France, we're using the vignette. Can we stop being in France, please? Not yet. <laughs> so, if they have any yeah. questions, who should they yes. email? Who should they call? <laughs> Yes, they can send it to uh, travel at gmail.com or contact MI5. <laughs> or contact us on Twitter at DrunkTimeTravel. Yes. Uh, I believe you've a new Doctor Who uh, blog. You've a new Doctor Who blog. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, so I review most of the uh, Doctor Who audios that we were talking about earlier, the big Finnish ones in particular. Any audio go or any other spin-off uh, so I review them on my new blog, which is www.inthefourthdimension.blogspot.com. Not the most original of titles, but I don't care. It's simple and serves its purpose. Bit like you. I don't serve a purpose. No, you don't really do. But um, I am simple. I want beer, and then more beer. So, um, if you listen to this, well, obviously you know about it, but... Uh, our, our podcasts are available on iTunes now and uh, I was just going to mention I think I sort of hinted at earlier on that uh, in the weeks between because we're doing every three weeks in the weeks between I'll be doing reviews of the current of stories you know media yeah, like books and audios comics, books yeah. anything between the current year Cav may do some as well he doesn't yes. know yes. I, yeah, I may partake in some of the audios or just copy and paste from my blog I don't know you can say next time but, uh, yeah. it isn't me because it's a three-parter yes Gal I get to a, do a short one for change yes Gal gets a fucking three-parter I know that wasn't a pun about Napoleon and Cal saying short Called one Planet of the Giants that will be on the 24th of November excellent that seems so far away so that's the end of the show is it it is well that's uh, au revoir de moi and it's uh, au revoir de Louis.